1: I'm Samuel Mann in Soyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera.
0: Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? I'm back. Yes, you are. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh, so we missed a whole week, um, and that is like the first time you've ever missed a week. I've exactly. missed a week a couple of times, but you never have.
1: No, but more importantly, I had a great swim in Lake uh, Wakatipu.
0: Oh, and became an iceberg and then got COVID.
1: I think the two were unrelated.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, that's good that you had a good swim.
1: It's a strange sickness. It's a different, well, the version that we had, it's a different form of sickness every day. Yeah. Terribly sore throat one day, rattly cough the next day, sinus headache the next day, and it just goes on and on.
0: Are you feeling better now?
1: I'm so going to say yes. I might <laughs> not, not make it through the day. <laughs> but who are we introducing today?
0: It is my great pleasure to introduce Maureen Verstegen. Uh, Maureen um, came to my attention. Actually, I knew all about Maureen before knowing who Maureen was. Uh, and the reason I... Um, Found out about her was festival um, through Richard Hamer, who we've introdu- interviewed before, who does a lot of uh, working with kids in cycling. Uh, and he had told me about this amazing group called the Non-Olympic Cyclists, which is a, a group of people who go for a bike ride every Friday and have a coffee and um, have a great time by the sounds of it. And then just recently, I uh, read about cycling without age, Eastern Bay of Plenty, and I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds like something I'd love to get involved in. we better interview this lady. So welcome, Maureen. It is an absolute joy
2: to have you here today. Yeah, kia ora, everybody, and very nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Welcome, Maureen. Where are you, Maureen?
2: I'm in Fakatani at the moment, at home.
1: So we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and of course that's turning into history. But we're asking it anyway. How was your bubble life?
2: Terrible. No, it was. It was, was really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad. I didn't get sick or anything, but I, I really felt the isolation uh, quite badly, actually. But um, we're all out of that now, so um, things have come right, which is good. Yeah.
1: And was it long until you were back on the bike?
2: Um, no, I was actually, I cycled the whole way through during the lockdown, and um, and then um, after the lockdown, I decided I'd get a, an electric bike, so instead of the other one, because then I could cover a heck of a lot more ground a lot more quickly, you know, but um, yeah, I, st- I was still out and about and involved in my street, because our street also set up a, a Facebook page, and um, I set up a little exhibition space on a tree outside my, on my front verge, and the kids would – and I'd put pegs up there and a line and the kids would come through and put up their little bits of artwork and I'd take photos and put them on our Facebook page. And, yeah, so, yeah, we all got there in the end.
1: We have heard from people doing a lot of community things. I don't think we've had an exhibition tree.
2: <laughs> oh, well, this I used to be an art teacher, so um, I kind of thought, well, how can I help my community and my, my street and the kids in my street particularly – being an ex-teacher um and so uh, that's what I started and I put um things like um oh I ripped up a couple of white sheets and put them outside the front of the house so that kids could come and take a sheet and then draw on the sheet or dye it or paint it or whatever and then they would come back and hang it hang it up on the tree um so that was um quite cool yeah and yeah. I also me in the process, I. Got to meet, not meet personally up close, but online and stuff. And standing on the street, meet the kids. You know, like hanging up the things, and and I received a couple of little cards thanking me for putting the tree up and all of that. So you know, it was it was really cool. It was really really cool.
1: So you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't stop them teaching.
2: No, something like that, and you can't stop them loving kids either. You know, you just you just I just love kids. You know, all kids just yeah, and always have. Yeah.
1: what led you to be a, an art teacher
2: um i've always been interested in, in art um i've never really been an artist but i i did a course uh with a guy called an artist in, um at the mount called rob mcgregor um and he at the time he was an art advisor in, in education this is back in the 80s and um he really inspired me and then i thought actually i'd love to be an art teacher but i knew that the art teacher spots were rare you know like people sat in those jobs for 25 years and then one came up and i applied for it and i got it and then i had 13 years uh art teaching at taurong intermediate um and then yeah and then in the meantime i was doing my own sort of crafty things and because um, i do upcycling and i recover lampshades and i used to re- upcycle clothes and make them all a bit weird you know so all of that kind of thing
1: yeah cool you're still doing that sort of stuff.
2: I um, am myself. I can't lift heavy furniture anymore. I do. I love doing um, big furniture pieces, but I can't do that anymore because I can't lift them anymore. So I um, decoupage little coffee tables. I stencil furniture. I um, upcycle lamps and lampshades, so I recover them. Um, I do that. I also I've uh, I took up quilting last year. Um, so I've made a couple of great big quilts as I do, not small quilts, but great big ones. Um, I've done that, and um, I've now taken up photography, so I've just finished a pathways course at Toyahomai Homai in Tauranga. Um just done that, and then, of course, I had to go and buy lighting and a backdrop and an umbrella, and I've got all the gear. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm still sort of in the arts kind of, kind of, Feel, But my my big love in education was actually in special education, which I did for about 22 years, which I absolutely loved. Yeah.
1: How did you have fun time to work?
2: (laughs) Because I loved my job. Yeah, you know, like um, I had a great career and I loved my job the whole, my whole career. And I taught for 42 years. Um, I had a couple of wee breaks in between. Um, I taught mainly here in the Bay, um, mainly in Taranga and Papamoa. Um, but I also did a five-year stint in, uh, in the UK and London as a special education needs coordinator in a, quite a big, big school. Um, so that was quite cool. But, yeah, I've loved my job. Yeah, But the time came when it was like, actually, <laughs> you know, I'm tired. You know, and I, I didn't want the responsibility anymore. Rather, that I still love the work and I still love working with people and with kids and with parents but it just I was just tired of just tired of all the other stuff that goes with having a job you know not bad stuff but just other stuff yeah yeah and
1: now you're putting lots of your energy into cycling
2: well yes and and the reason I started because I've only lived here for two and a half years and the reason I started the cycle group here was um how do I make friends you know like get to a certain age where you don't want to be hanging out at a club at you know at three o'clock in the morning um (laughs) not that I ever really did that but but, um I thought well actually I love cycling um and so I thought I know I'll start up a cycling group so um, that's what I did and we've got 160 members um in a year they don't all ride um but we regularly the our rides are on Friday and we regularly have about uh 20 to 25 people on the ride yeah which is
1: good Cool. And you find places to go around the Eastern Bay?
2: Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We cycle over to a hulpe fair bit over the hill and back again um, and right along to the spit. We, we've been to Paingaroa. We have a trip away every month. Not away away like overnight, but we do the, the motu trails. So we've done the dunes trail a few times here in um, Apotiki, which is really, really popular. Uh, we've been to Paingaroa, we've been to Rotorua and done the uh, the loop track there that goes around the lake which is harder than they say but anyway it's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah so we, we just r- ride around our local area really, off road as much as possible.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices, let's have LAB Controller, why this one?
2: I, I just love this, I love that these and also the music, some of the musicians in the band are local to Fakatani and Papamoa, um, which is where I've spent most of my life and I remember my uh, nieces and nephew used to say that they would go down and watch them play at the local pub uh, when they were just starting out in the early days and so I've always had a connection because they're, some of them are from here, so yeah play, away we go
0: inspired this interest in cycling for you
2: um i've always been quite an active person and uh, about uh 11 12 years ago i oh and in the in the early 80s i had a, a sports injury at volleyball and i wrecked my knee basically and in those days it was in the 80s and in those days they actually removed the cartilage so what's happened of course is that over time over the last 28 years the cartilage, the bone, it ended up as bone on bone. Um, so I had a knee replacement done, a full knee replacement done. Um, so I couldn't do any hiking or anything or, or walking, which is what I loved. And um, I, when I did the pinnacles track at Kauranga Valley, uh, here in, um, down by Temp, uh, Thamesway, um, I didn't recover. My knee didn't recover. So then I went back to the surgeon. He said, oh, I think it's the time has come. So, um, and I just figured out that and read articles about how to keep your knee going and yourself fit and cycling was the one that that people recommended. So, yeah, bought a bike and on my bike and um, I haven't stopped biking ever since. That's so good. Yeah, but the e-bike is life-changing because on the e-bike, you know, you can turn around into the wind and you don't go, oh my God, the wind. You know, you can just put a bit of power on, whoop, flat step, away you go. So um and hills, you just put a bit of power on and you can get up a hill all right and you still keep fit and meet lots of people on the way as well, which is which is really good and really important with any exercise, I think. Yeah. I just
0: upgraded my bike to an e bike because I've got a twelve year old and he is mountain bike mad. And right. I couldn't keep up with him, especially in the wind. And yep. so I got an e bike, it has changed my life. It's yeah. been amazing.
2: Yeah. And uh, I didn't think it would change my life as much as it did because I kept my old bike. And I said to my friends, no, I'm going to keep that bike because I'm going to go to the supermarket on it and I'm going to still ride it around. And I said all that. And then one day I, um, I thought, oh, I'll just shoot over to the dairy. And um, I jumped on my old bike and it was shocking. It was like, no, no, no. So I um, arranged to give it away. So that's what I did with that bike. Never ride a... <laughs> being on one without a motor on it again you know yeah. so um, it's been really good yeah
0: the other thing that's transformed my cycling is having a dropper post so that because I'm short and so it and but to be able to ride comfortably I was never able to get in a height because I'm really really yeah. short and so yeah. I have to literally fall off my old bike to stop and, and be heavy
2: <laughs> Yes. so now
0: we've got a dropper post it's amazing
2: yeah I've got one too but I don't use it because I still you know I just find that I'm faster if I just step forward off my bike because I'm not quick enough to think right I've got a break and then I've got to drop the dropper post and then I've got to look for cars so I thought it's just easy just to stop and get off not hop off but just come off the seat and stand on the road because I'm quite short too yeah <laughs> it's, yeah, the, problem
0: yeah. With, it's yeah, yeah.
2: the problem with short being
0: legs, a little bit short leg syndrome <laughs> yeah <laughs> You're you're so active in the community, and and all of your. If you think about your teaching practice, that's service as well. So you're a really service-driven person. Mm. Where did that come from?
2: Um, to be honest, I don't really know. My, um, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I my my parents. It might be from my parents. Well, my parent. Well, some of it will be from my parents. My parents emigrated from Holland um, after the Second World War, and they had a very, very um, trying time during the war. My father was um, um, taken to a work camp in Germany, in Stuttgart, and he, he was only 16. And um, his brother had to go, and, and they had eight boys in their family, and the, uh, they had to give two up for the war effort for Germany. Um, so he had a very, very traumatic time there. Um, and my mother, um, she, her family, Harbert, not Harbert. I don't know if that's the correct word. Her, her family were uh, um, a part of a chain that took t- children from the pogroms in um, Amsterdam. Wow. And when the parents were put on the trains, they, the, the Dutch people, would be taking some, hiding some of these children. And so my mum's family, who they were in the south of Holland, they were part of this chain. And um so mum, I remember my aunts um when I went to when I uh, when I went to see them once um, telling me that my mother used to put a child on her back and swim them across the river, you know like she was fifteen or sixteen and and I and I think that's where um, my help my helping other people probably came from because I don't know maybe it was. Mum helping these children, and the family helping these children, and my father being and having such a traumatic time as well, um, and the difficulties that they had when they arrived here, um, because they had no support networks, no family. Um, my father had a serious accident and was um, seriously burnt, um, so he spent a year in Middlemore, um, and one of the um, some of the surgeons that op- that operated on him were some of the ones that were trained in the war in England under Dr. McIndoe, um, the famous um, surgeon. So maybe that's where it comes from. I'm not sure. And my father always wanted me, wanted to be a teacher himself. But of course, he couldn't ever achieve that because of the the circumstances. And um, so I think that's why I became a teacher. That and also because of the holidays. Um, (laughs) And never and i thought at the time oh, i'll do it for five years and then i'll go into something that i really like but it turns out that i once i'd started i absolutely loved it i loved teaching and i just loved the kids and i loved organizing things for them and seeing them learn and meeting parents and all of that i just absolutely loved it so maybe that's where it's it's come from and also one of the things too that's given me a little bit more of a charges is during the lockdown, I really understood what it's like for people to be lonely. And that it's not the same on a Zoom call or waving out the window. You know, you didn't get that looking someone in the eye and sit and have a cup of tea and a muffin or, or just the connection, you know. And that sort of gave me a bit more uh, impetus, I suppose, to do something in my own community, something else in my own community to help people who are in that situation and that's why the cycling with age project really really appealed because i will because because of what i achieve and my little group achieves isn't just me but my little group achieves we're going to be able to help some of these people who are lonely or isolated or want to get out just into the wind you know so yeah how
0: how will that work because i'm super excited about that yeah
2: me too um it's a bit of a process. I'm the sort of person that when something happens, Richard Harmer, I'm blaming him for this because he um, he said, "Oh, he put something on our Facebook page. What do you think of this, people?" I said, "Oh, this looks really cool." And then the next day or two days later, there I there he was with some, uh, the some information about this group. And I he said, "Oh, what do you think? Do you reckon you would like to do something with this?" And I looked at, it, I thought, "Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do something with this." Um, so I've started the process, but I'm the sort of person that I want things to be happening to, by tomorrow. Um, I'm, I find it difficult having to, you know, <laughs> just take time and to, to ta- it's going to take, because it's going to take a bit of time. It's going to take time to um, raise the money and get the bike in and all of that. Um, but I'm really looking forward and work, to working with all the all the people that we're going to need to volunteer. Um, yeah, it'll be an amazing thing, an amazing project. How much
0: will one of those bikes cost? Well, first get, of all, describe them, because we're talking about something we haven't actually talked about, what the bike is yet, so no, <laughs> no. tell us um, about the bike.
2: It's an electric bike. Um, these ones were developed in Denmark, and they, this is where this organisation is based. Um, it's a, it's a, cha- a worldwide charity. Um, and the bikes were developed in Denmark specifically for this pers- this purpose. to Because the, the man who started the... Uh, in Denmark, started the, the group, uh, realised that people were lonely and how could he alleviate that, particularly for our older people. So he came up with this idea. Um, and I don't, I don't... Yeah, so he came up with this idea. They... Um, and a uh, cycle... They, uh, developed their own bike and created their own cycle company to sell the bikes but being part of the organisation you don't have to buy the bike from them Um, but the bikes that they've developed are really the only ones that are suitable for our environment Um, and there is another bike similar um, but it's twice the weight so it's a little bit harder but what it is, sorry I forgot. momentarily forgot the question. Um, I it's a it's a normal electric bike. Well, not a n- normal electric bike. It's an electric bike, and it's got a little bit more power than a standard electric bike. But it's got seating on the front for two. It's like a like a rickshaw, I suppose, with the seating in the front. And it's got seatbelts in it. It comes with a with a canopy that goes over people's heads. I'm going to order a, a nice weighted blanket um so that comes that you can order that and um so what happens is that you have someone called a pilot who is the cyclist um and they need to be quite experienced because you don't want some you know you you don't want anyone jumping on who's not experienced because they're going to have people in front who are are vulnerable or, or old or whatever um so the plan is to train them up and then we will be able to take people On rides, just like just along the river here in Fakatani, or along some of the new pathways that have been made. Um, Yeah. So, and also the one of the things about this organisation and about this program is that it's it's about slow travel. So it's not going flat stick, thirty k down a hill. Um, (laughs) It's it's about having people in front, um, talking to people talking to them, having a bit of a stop to look at the birds or chat to people on the way, um, and just forming those connections and listening to their stories as well, you know, because there's a, a lot of people, older people, who've got really amazing lives and try to keep that old history alive in, in the community as well, just passing on the stories of these people. Um, yeah. I just
0: think it's an amazing thing. And you're right, along the river path, we're just, you know, in the, this most beautiful space oh. that we have here in the Eastern Bay. Yes,
2: yes. So, how much does a bike like that cost? Right, the bike costs about 21000 to get here. Um, the bike itself is um, about 18000 but there's um, uh, the shipping costs and also insurance on the way. When it gets here, we'll need to pay import duties, which is about $3,200, roundabout, plus insurance plus helmets, um, and one of the cycle shops here has kindly um, offered to give us a deal on any of that sort of equipment we need and to help with the bike. Um, so all up, we need about 27000 to get our first bike. Okay. Uh, yeah, to get a bike. Yeah, so I'm just in the process of figuring out. I've made a couple of applications, um, and I'm just trying to figure out where else to get that kind of money from. And the money can come from um, uh, an organisation like Trust Horizon or one of those organisations, or it can be sponsored. You know, if some, a company out there would like to buy a bike for us, we would be happy to emblazon their logo all over the bike <laughs> and all over our T-shirts and all over our helmets yeah. and flags. Yeah. So that's, that's the process. And it takes about four months, four to five months for a bike to come in. There aren't any available in New Zealand at the moment. Um, there was a shop that had one on display, but he said that the, or the owners said that they weren't available to put for them to purchase for some reason. That I don't know why not. Um, but I would also hope maybe in the future that there might be someone in New Zealand who could design a bike. Mm. You know, not a copy, but because th- that wouldn't be ethical, but design a bike for our environment here that we can purchase locally, maybe. I don't know, it might be a project for school kids to design a bike, or, you know, tech students or something like that, or engineer, you know, engineers in training or something. I like yeah. that challenge. Yeah,
3: Bubble sprite of the
0: forest of Orokanui, Dinitan's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
3: Kia ora koutou, namihi arohanui, kia hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are. Triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last two and a half years have been very trying, and it's so important that at all times, we are remembering the importance, the value, the power of love, of compassion, of empathy, of sympathy, of companionship, of care, all of these really important aspects of our emotional toolkit. I'm sitting here in the car park of my heart's home workplace, Orokinui Eco Sanctuary, gazing up at the mighty Maunga Maponui that cares for the valley alongside Mihawaka, both of these mountains, sleeping volcanoes that were erupting 14 million years ago, forming this beautiful landscape, and I'm gazing out at the wind rustling through cabbage tree to coca the toy toy all of these beautiful native plants making their leaves dance and sacerate in the wind very beautiful and I know for myself that the living world the natural world of which we are a part co-evolving with all life in an infinite web is such a comfort to me the beauty that pervades all all living beings is a great comfort to me and whilst we can get heavily involved in the trappings of the construction of the human world the creation of the human world the natural world the living world underpins all and is the true foundation of our reality of course Papa Tuanuku Earth Mother sustains all life and the connection with her is so important in whatever way that comes about for you I hope that you feel that and that is really really encouraging and nurturing for you and at times when we are surrounded by gale force winds as we are today 190 kilometer gale force winds we have a sense of that power and that urgency that change can inspire. When the winds of change move through our own lives, it's so important that we can navigate them and remain grounded, find sanctuaries, find places of stillness and peace, tranquility and comfort, to explore and surrender our worries within. I know for myself it is a time of change. We've Unfortunately, lost our education funding here at the ministry um, has been providing for the last thirteen years. The ministry of education has been supporting our work at Otago through LAOTC. Unfortunately, as the systems have changed, and it's now ELC, it's a very different setup, and we have lost that funding. So it means we're having to head out into the world and find new funding and we're having to really think about things in a different way. Obviously, without having to be part of that Ministry of Education framework, it frees us up, we can do a lot more uh, that we want to do creatively, and um, that's exciting, that's a positive thing. But of course, for me, it's been very destabilising and difficult. However, I've been very grateful for the support of those around me, their positivity and their ability to see different strategies. So I really hope for you, if those winds of change are moving through your life and things are feeling unsettled and difficult, that you can look to those around you for support, but also that place of stillness and serenity, that sanctuary within you that is always there for you. And of course being part of this show is such a pleasure and privilege for me so a huge thank you to sam and the whole blowing bubbles team and i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Ta-ke-te.
1: you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with maureen Vistagun.
2: oh yeah the um the quote of the day is really perfect for our little organization because part of the philosophy of it is that people can experience the wind in their hair by
1: being on a bike, so it's absolutely perfect. Perfect quote. Thank you, <laughs> Maureen. The theme of this show is positive, but not deluded. In fact, we've changed it over the last little while. We've convinced to change it to a dash of deluded.
2: Yeah, I think a dash of deluded is good. Which yeah,
1: perfectly for me. Where does a positive mindset fit in for you?
2: Um. Well. If you've got a positive mindset, you can make things happen and you find ways to make things happen. And I've always, I mean, I've always had, I've always been positive. Um, sometimes I think, oh, no, it's not going to happen and then something will, will happen to change that, you know, to make it happen. But people have to make, ha- make things happen and you've got, to drive it. you've got to drive things and get people on board who've got the same kind of thinking and the same sort of philosophy and um, get them to come in as well become part of that community you know that you're creating which is exciting for me
1: and preempting empting question can we teach that
2: um i don't know can we teach that i think probably could i think i think we can yeah it's about it's a it's about um there's always a solution not a problem isn't it really you know and and also you need to um if you have a problem that you need solving or you, you need to be positive you need to surround yourself with positive people or people who can offer solutions yeah
0: Maureen um critical thinking is this thing we talk about e- almost every single show if we talk about critical thinking and and the apparent absence of it in education um in politics and almost every aspect of life at the moment is that we talk we talk about is critical thinking something that we're still teaching? Are we just not applying it properly as social media and screen addiction taking it away? Where do you think we're
2: at as an educator? Where do you see that we're at? Um, critical thinking certainly isn't as, as good in terms of children as when I first started in the 70s, started teaching, because we didn't we didn't have things to give us the answers. We couldn't, couldn't look it on Google or YouTube, or we didn't have Facebook and all of that. We just had to figure it out for ourselves and find solutions and talk to people and ring people and um, write letters and um, get answers to questions or to research that way. So I, I don't know, but I've been but saying that um, I haven't been in mainstream education, as it were, for a long, long time. Um, but I know that schools are working really hard on it. But like you say, there's probably other influences that um, make it a little bit harder for educators and for kids to, or students, to be able to think critically.
0: What do you think is the biggest challenge in in the education space right now, as an
2: observer? Um. There's very high expectations on. Well, this is just my own view, and I've been out of I've been out of schools really for five years. But um, teachers, schools are expected to do a lot, and it's not just about education. It's it's around all the other stuff, all the all the social things that children come to school with, all the difficulties that children have, um, and it seems to be more apparent, I think recently than it was say when I started in the 70s um there were there were issues in schools and communities but to me it just seems like there's more of that all going on now you know and um and I, I don't know what the answer is um and I suppose and every school's different as well every education institute is is different institution institute is different so I don't really know I don't know how to answer that one I'm not sure
0: Do you think that art has got a role to play in that as an art teacher do you do you think that imagination and critical thinking um and that artistic view is that is that a way forward
2: um possibly um but again they've got to have have they've got to have people and teachers and educators who can guide them um um, Imagination is a little bit different. Into ch- like, um, ch- I found that children, uh, when I when I was in the mainstream, um, children often copy stuff from other people without adding their own spin on things, or they're influenced by what other people are doing because they see it on Facebook. Well, in those days, it wasn't on Facebook, but um, you know they see it on TV or in other places, um, and that's where their influences come from um rather than trying to create their own works i mean that's my own however there are really good um places in the community like we've got heart space space studio here as you know and jade is really really good she's amazing and she um has kids in for classes and adults in for classes as well and for therapy classes you know which is quite cool <laughs>
0: I've been watching um, Canadian MasterChef. I love MasterChef. I love all, all, the, all the different ones. And I've been watching Canadian MasterChef. And um, I've never seen any of the others do it. But um, it just immediately made me think of it just now when you were talking. Um, is that they've had them recreate the classics. And I just think actually there's a lot to learn from. You know, Yes, you could make a baked Alaska. But what can you do to make it your own Baked Alaska? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Is that it's one thing to copy the, the thing that everybody else is doing, but it's a whole other thing to actually rethink it and, and create some originality and put something of yourself in it.
2: Yeah, you're right there, actually. And that just leads me to think about when, when I started teaching in 1977, we did the basics. We didn't do a lot more than the basics. We did the old, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic kind of thing and kids learn how to write and how to spell and how to create a sentence or create a story and they learn the structure beforehand because in order to create anything um, or do anything, you've got to have a, have a, a structure. You know, there are ways to do things that will help the imagination come, for example. And like you say about the baked Alaska, you know, if you can't make a sponge cake, well, you can't make a Bake Alaska without whipping down to the supermarket and buying the sponge, you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh a bought sponge, yuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. It is about the basics. It's about having that foundation first. It's like a house, you know. If you yeah. build a house, you can build whatever you like. But if the foundations are no good, the house is just going to fall over or you're not going to be able to build the house. Do you think that we've that one of the problem is is that maybe we've
0: overcomplicated. there there's too many options now it's just all a bit too flash and fancy and not enough focus on those on the basics that we need i
2: think so when i talk to other friends who are teaching particularly in the mainstream and and some of the they don't have the basics when they come through particularly through to high high school now this is only people i know i mean this is not not general by any means, but they say that, that that children when they come through into high schools often don't have the basics, um, either. You know, for whatever reason. So I'm not sure why that is. I think part of it is that schools are expected to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. I've
0: also noticed that there's a move away from saying actually you got it wrong, and. Um, and so kids aren't used to uh, any sort of critical analysis of their work by someone. Yep. They're just, um, this is what I've noticed in, in, my, in my kids' education is I've watched this. I've got a child who's 33 and a child who's 12, and I've seen this massive change in education over that time. So with my 33-year-old, if he got it wrong, someone said, actually, you got that wrong. Go back, think about it, come back to me with it again, but the approach to education now is really different. It's much more focused on what you got right, but that doesn't actually teach you how to fix what you got wrong or even right. to know that you got it wrong.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that that's an attitude thing as well. And it's, it's kind of like um, when kids make a mistake in school, you know, often, not often, sometimes, you know, when you talk to a parent about a kid that's done something really silly at school, the parent's, go, oh, well, dear, never mind. You know, so there's no responsibility for what, uh, for some people, for some students, what they do, no responsibility or no correction, not, not correction, that, I don't know if that's the right word, but no, actually, if you did it this way, this would have been better. And, yeah. you know, and you're right about this is how you spell U, you, Y-O-U, not E-W-E or U with a U, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like all the text... But the thing is, the world changes and language changes and things change, you know. And um, I don't know, maybe we're just old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're, we're part
0: of a massive change at the moment. Oh, my son would never write "you" instead of you" not in a million years. No, but no, I know plenty of kids who do.
2: Yeah, but if you, if sometimes if you read, um, you know, like it might read a post or something on Facebook or wherever, mm. and you think. And I think, I don't even know what they're saying. And then it takes me a little while to figure it out because they use all this other language. But that's how language changes too, doesn't yeah. it? You know, We're Over, over years and over time. A mass evolution of language at the moment. Yeah. And also, I mean, we I see that often in the media. You know, when you read an article in a paper and there's incorrect grammar. And I find myself being that person with the purse, lips. Like, oh, my God they've spelt they the t-h-e-r-e not t-h-e-i-r or or the team are going to the olympics no they're not the team is going to the olympics you know so so i don't know if that's an age thing or if it's you know uh it's a bit of age and a bit of education i think (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I never say anything though, because I don't want to be that person. You know. Oh. <laughs> I wish I could stop myself from being that person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm that person inside, but I don't go and say, "Oh, you didn't feel that properly." I'm not one of those people.
1: You know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be that person who interrupts to put on a piece of music. Will Young and Gareth Gates, "The Long and Winding Road." Why this one?
2: Oh, I just love it. I just love this. Um, I lo- love him. I mean, he's an amazing singer and musician and i just really like this duet that they did when uh, he won on top of the uh what was it? i um idol the first idol i think he won back twenty twenty two 22 years ago or something and gareth was the second place getter so i really love this version of and the arrangement of the song absolutely beautiful and also we can cycle down the long and winding road maybe on our tri-shores <laughs> and winding
4: road That leads to your door Will never disappear I've seen that road before Leads me here Leads me to your door The wild and windy night That the rain washed away Has left us Of tears crying for the day Why leave me standing here? Let me know the way. Many times I've been alone, been alone, many times I've cried. I'm a girl. in Rome. You left me standing here a long, long time ago.
0: We're coming to the end of the show now and we've got some standard questions that sam always asks but i get to because he's got a scratchy throat so this is very special i think it's like the second time in 417 episodes i've ever got to do this <laughs> so, what is um, what has been your
2: greatest success in the last while i think my greatest success has probably been my contribution to education actually in terms of special education That would be, you know, what I've loved most and what I've had most success with, both here and in the UK. That's so
0: awesome. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes.
2: What is your superpower? My superpower is probably my tenacity. Because I don't let things go and I make things happen. So I think that might be a superpower. If it's not an an official
0: one, we'll make it one. Do you know what? I think that's one of the greatest superpowers because there you are making things happen. Yeah, that's so good. Do you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Uh, No, I'm a change maker. Is that an activist? Yes, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I will make things happen and make change if I need to. Cool. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? I'm retired <laughs> so just just being able to go to town to the library or get on my bike that motivates me um yeah and this little project that I'm doing at the moment the cycling without age project is really motivating me at the moment which is really good that really is nice so good. A really, really nice to have a little project on the go
0: what opportunity
2: are you most looking forward to over the next whale um, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to get out on that bike when it comes, with some lovely people in, the, in it who won't be, who normally wouldn't be able to cycle and go along the river. No faster than twenty k, apparently. Well, we
0: so, oh maybe I'm not quick. the right person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Part of the philosophy of the organisation is slowness. So they, they recommend that you don't go faster than 20k. I wouldn't want to anyway because you we're no. going to have older people and, and vulnerable people. So I'm thinking 15k is going to be about right.
0: Yeah, yeah. and that's a nice for. cruising speed and yeah. gives you the opportunity to take in the world. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Advice?
2: Yeah. Um, well, just if you think of something that might be really good in your community, find a way to make it happen there are ways and there are people out there to help you as well that would be my that, advice that is awesome advice
0: maureen thank you for your goodness and for all of the work that you do for making life better for others and i'm um, sad that your lockdown experience was a lonely one because loneliness is just such an awful feeling but yeah. from that i think also may have come um some really um, amazing ideas and ways of engaging people and bringing people together, um, sure so is. that's the silver lining, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is, and yeah, and I've really enjoyed talking to you guys, and thank you very much for inviting me, and um, I look forward to hearing the podcast, and hopefully we'll have another one where I can tell you that we've got the bike.
0: We'd love that. Maybe. Thank, yeah. you. <laughs> thank you for joining us.
2: No worries. Thank you.
1: See ya. Thank you. <coughs> no
4: On a pushback, honey When I noticed you Riding downtown in a hurry, honey Down South Avenue You looked so pretty As you were riding along You looked so pretty As you were singing this song I tried catching up, but you were pedaling harder too a- Riding along like a hurricane, honey a- Spinning out of view You look so pretty As you were riding along You look so pretty As you were singing this song I sing the song a- Round, round was going round, round, round other side of town before the sun goes down
1: hey. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahoe McKenzie. This is the Mixtures with the Bushbike Song. I'm Samuel Manners, who is Dave meeting, and I've been joined by Moira Caratar and the Verstegen in Dakotas. For That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty
2: This podcast
0: was produced by OrFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.